Hello and welcome to Give Yourself the Chat. I'm your host, Peter Lewis, and this is the show dedicated to discussing ideas and philosophies to help you live a life of high performance. Oh, hello, everyone. Welcome to uh, Give Yourself the Chat. This is episode 30. Gosh, we're gathering some episodes now. I've got an old mate called Neil Jurd with me today. Neil's a uh, leadership coach and facilitator. Neil, a very good morning to you. How are you? Hello, Pete. Very well, thanks. Nice, nice to see you. And you, and you. It's been a little while since we've caught up. Uh, for the benefit of the listener, we were just discussing off air, weren't we, how it's almost 28 years since you and I would have met as the fresh intake, fresh-faced intake of standard military course 921 at Sandhurst back in the day. Hasn't time flown? I don't know. Has it, time, has it flown or has it dragged? <laughs> Well, you, you don't look any older. I think I do. <laughs> but, but, uh, yeah, it's it's weird, isn't it? We've had a whole whole two. I've had a whole two careers since then, and uh, I, I think you've done the same. Yes, yeah. Well, so we operate in very similar fields, and I, I guess a lot of what we'll talk about today will be leadership and coaching because we're both involved in that. There'll be some reflections, no doubt, if we can dredge them from our distant memories of life at Sandhurst. And of course, we both had sort of full careers. We, we were both involved in logistics, weren't we? I was Royal Electrical yeah. Mechanical Engineers, you are RLC, experience with the Gurkha Squadron and, and all sorts of fun and, and japes in between. But I'd, I'd like to just sort of timestamp this really. It is is the week of remembrance and sort of being two sort of ex- ex-soldiers. How did how did you mark armistice in this really weird pandemic era we're in? I went and stood at the front of my house. I live in the, the Lake District or just on the edge of the Lake District. I didn't I didn't do much, but I just went and I stood out. This this will probably make me sound peculiar, but but I uh, I tuned into the live broadcast so I could hear the last post. And I just stood quietly at the front and I had my two minutes silence uh, and it took me back as well. It kind of, I, I, I mean, what was in my mind? I, I, I don't know, but I, it, it felt emotional this year, Pete. And I don't know, uh, like you, I imagine I've stood on parades many times and mm. sometimes I'm really there and other times less so. Sometimes I connect to the purpose of the day and this year I, I did I did connect to the purpose I, I really felt it and I came in came back inside quite unsettled by it for half an hour an hour yeah what about you what do you do well, uh, much like you so I was here in the office and I, I literally I, and like you I tuned in to BBC Radio to hear Cenotaph and, and Big Ben chime and everything. And I just literally got up, stood up and stood with my eyes closed and contemplated. And I sort of contemplated those I'd served with and you and I will have you know, known people that we've lost. But I, I thought broader than that as well. And my mind might, like you, was perhaps taken to other things in the context of pandemic and, and suffering and everything else like that. And and then I have to admit, it was sort of back to business as usual. But I, I always make a point of marking it, uh, even when I've I've been in client meetings and I've I've insisted that we stop. And I've learned not to schedule them now for eleven o'clock. But if it actually happened, and, and and I think it's I find it a responsibility to remind others. And I don't mind being quite bullshit about it. So no, no, you will stop. But yeah. I, I know perhaps you know we could tread on sensitivities. But but really, you know, if you can't stop for two minutes to reflect, then something's wrong. Yeah, I agree. So, congratulations to you, by the way, sir. The award of British Citizens Award recently. Tell me, tell me about that. And brilliant, uh, fantastic. Another, another gong for the collection. <laughs> yeah, it was an award really for the charity work that I've 
that I've done. I, 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 as you know, I founded a charity 11 years ago, where it, after, after the death of Michelle, my wife. Yes. And the, the charity promotes adventurous training for young people, primarily an extracurricular activity. And we also support service charities. It was in recognition of that and the British Citizen Award. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a, a, a lovely event in theory. The, the awards are given at Parliament. But of course, this year I got the award in a box in the post. And do you think you'll ever, will you get an invite to Parliament when we're allowed yeah, to go back? Yeah. They will mark it. I, mean, I think so. as, as, as long as the pandemic clears up one day, then yes. Yeah, yes. yeah. Well, 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 above you, Peter, well, you're up to the side now. I feel like I'm looking at you out of the side of my ear. No, that's good. So, well, congratulations. I hope you do get your, your day in the sun in Parliament there and for the work that you've done. And, and also some of the work you've done, you've been involved in local cadet force up there in Lancashire and all sorts of stuff. And, and if I remember rightly, you've also been on the staff at the regular commissions board. So the selection yeah. of potential officers. So let's bring it right up to date. You're about to become an author, a published author, uh, a book on leadership. Why? a book on leadership and why now Neil? I'm fascinated in leadership like like I think you are but I'm fascinated by leadership I taught at Sandhurst as well as going to Sandhurst as a cadet I later went back and I I taught at Sandhurst for two years I've led people for I guess for all of my life I've had leadership roles even since I left the army I've always had a kind of a foot in leading so I'm fascinated by leadership and I, and I believe that leadership is a massive force for getting things done, hopefully good things. But I see leadership as a, an energizer for, for getting stuff done. I, I, I believe strongly in the power of, of leadership. I work in leadership. I've been, I've been doing leadership development for 10 years now since I left the army. I've directed courses for the Leadership Trust and then for my own business more, more recently. So, yeah, I wrote, a, I wrote a book about it, capturing my, my thoughts. And initially, I've actually been writing it for years, just putting little notes down on a, okay. a kind of a Word document I've kept open. And I wanted to turn it into – I wanted to bring it together, but much more initially for me, just to mm. say, look, that's, that's what I believe, that's what I think. But it, it grew, and it's become something which I'm, I'm proud of it. I'm really – I love what I've produced – yeah, it looks good. That's uh, very good. I think it's, it's re- have, have you seen it? I can't remember whether I've sent it to you. I've not had a chance to sort of read a copy. I, I, right. I've seen all the, the the cover work and everything else like that. And in some small way, I hope I've given some feedback that helped you get it to the point it is now. But but no, yeah, I've not had an advanced copy, so I'd love to get my hands on it. It's, uh, it's not. It's only on PDF at the moment. It's with the printer. To, uh, okay. But yeah, I mean, obviously, I'll I'll, uh, I'll send you one when we're when it's real, which yeah. is in a few weeks' time. So back in the day when we could walk into any given bookstore or perhaps browse the, the, the virtual shelves of an Amazon, there's a plethora. There is an overabundance and oversupply of leadership books. And equally, if you ask 100 people what is leadership, your chance are you get about 98 different answers. So how did you sort of tackle this subject? What sort of angle did you, did you come at leadership from because you know in in many ways you're putting you're putting your marker out there into the big wide world and and got to stand by it so so tell me about that process neil my beliefs on leadership have evolved over over time and i'm now clear what i see as the essence of leadership and it's it's about knowing where you're going and connecting with people Hmm. Uh, and everything which i've written and the, the videos that I've produced about leadership, they all come down to 
a very, very simple principle. Okay. And, it, and it's that. Know, know where you're going and take people with you. As you say, there are so many definitions of leadership. But if you troll Facebook, you'll, you'll get some completely meaningless stuff, real vacuous stuff on leadership, which I think... That's, that's Facebook. <laughs> yeah, and it confuses. People think leadership's really complicated, and it really isn't. If, you, you know, if, you, if you've got a purpose, if you've got a clear and compelling purpose, something worth leading, and you're just decent, you're just decent with people, they come with you. It's, uh, for, for me, the purpose is, is huge. Okay, so there's there's a number of things there. We, we've talked, we've mentioned words like connecting. You've used energy and energizing, and know where you're going. So know where you're going is not just a, a sort of physical project defined definition. It is actually what is driving you from a purpose sense. So, so know where you're going is actually for you as a leader. Before you've even attempted to lead others, it's really being sure about that. Is it sort of North Star values type stuff or? Was it something else? I'm kind of nodding in agreement because, yeah, it is. And there's so much in there, Peter, as you'll, as you'll know, as you say that, it kind of yeah. opens up quite a big Doesn't it, philosophical leadership discussion. Yeah. But that alignment of where you're going and what you're trying to achieve, if those two things align, yes, you, you, you'll be so much more powerful. If you're working really hard for something that doesn't really excite you, it's going to lack integrity. It's going to it's going to lack energy. So so people who throw themselves into something that they believe in, that their values are aligned in, aligned with, is they're so much more effective as leaders because it's so much more compelling because it comes from your comes from your heart. Yeah, and and I think that sort of heart led leadership or finding purpose in what you're doing means that it's not the environmental factors that make for great cultures or great places to work or happiness. It's I think it's leaders connecting people with the purpose of what they're doing despite all the difficulty or all the discomfort around them. And I'm a big believer that everyone, all of us can find purpose in what we're doing. It doesn't have to be a perfect set of circumstances, but I think a leader has to connect people with. What we're doing right now it may be difficult, it may not be perfect, but actually we can find purpose in what we're doing. And I think that, that for me, is that heartfelt connection piece between people. And, and to your point, yeah. it energizes as well. Yeah, yeah. In my work, I talk about the, the, the intellectual connection and, and the emotional connection. The fact that a, a leader needs to engage people in both ways. So the emotional stuff gets you passionate, gets you excited, gets you angry, but it, but it forces you to move. It creates an energy inside you. But the intellectual has got to be there because otherwise whatever you're leading is, is nonsense. There's got to be some substance, you know, a plan or a structure or an idea. And, and the two things, I think, is the leader's role to connect on both counts, taking people towards something that, that needs doing. Yeah. But you also alluded to the fact that the leader just needs to do good things or be a good person. So uh, how much how much of that sort of virtue side of things and a leader's personal makeup and how they conduct themselves, how, how important is that? And how easy is that to get wrong, I guess? It's interesting that because the world at the moment <laughs> yeah. has some pretty mediocre or poor or toxic leadership, in, in my opinion. There are people who who don't live by the values that I try to encourage and promote. They're, they're the kind of the kindness, the inclusiveness, leading for the greater good, selflessness, all, all, all of the sorts of things that I think you're, you, you would agree with me on, I think, Pete, that yeah. 
you know, leadership should be a force for good. And yet we see political leadership, which is is often very selfish and seems to be based around the ego of the leader. People people leading because it makes them feel better, possibly, that they get mm. the kick out of out of being the leader rather than achieving good good effect. For, for me, there's a real difference between true leadership, which is where you authentically engage people, mm. and then manipulation <laughs> or dominance. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and a lot of people in charge at the moment, it's become quite fashionable, will bully or dominate or manipulate to be in charge. And that's very, very different from the leadership, which I think that we need and that we, we deserve. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting, but it's 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 still quite pervasive, that type of leadership, not only in politics, but you see it in corporate life and, and certain industries. And the thing that we people miss is that we model behavior as a species. We model behavior so easily. So if you think about your children, how they've modeled your behavior, whether you like it or not, you are influential. So if yeah. your style of leadership is is toxic, then people will model that and it perpetuates so there yeah. is a responsibility on, on the individual, despite what they see around them and, and the culture around them is to be that difference. And I think a lot of people find that quite a struggle. And my leadership programs are people say, look, I get all this, but if only my boss could behave or act differently. And I think, well, Always, yeah, yeah but, but if you don't act in the right way, then there's at least two of you doing it in the incorrect way. So isn't it better for you to take a stand yeah. and do the right thing and then hopefully model the behavior for others to witness and and copy and emulate. Yeah, breaking that cycle, breaking the yes. the game that people yeah. get stuck in in the way that they they relate. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I once said, so you and I went to Sanders and, and we were both instructors. In fact, I think we were both instructors at Sanders at the same time, Neil. It's, I, want to, I think we overlapped for, for think, one yeah, time. Yeah, yeah so, so we are louts for those yeah, louts yeah. listening yeah. out there. We've still got the tie. Yeah. But um, it was once, I think, a mutual friend of ours, Mike Hogman, you'll remember Mike. Yeah. I think in a, in a recent post on Facebook or LinkedIn, he was uh, commenting. It's, you know, he said, I'm reminded of the Sanders motto, serve to lead. But the trouble is a lot of leaders take the, the motto as I lead, you serve. And, and I thought that's a really nice way of putting it, which I think really encapsulates what you've just described there. So let, let, let's, let's take you back to those halcyon days of Sandhurst as, as cadets. What's some of your abiding memories of, of that time 28 years ago? I'm not putting you on the spot now, but what comes yeah. to mind? Running. Lots of running. <laughs> I really enjoyed the experience. Uh, and actually, my memories of it now are very they're happy memories and they're probably not very realistic. You know, they probably, I've probably only taken the, the top 5% or 10% of experiences and distilled those. No, I remember it being a happy time. I remember we had a great community of cadets and the fact that so many of us are still connected. Yeah. So, so many years later, that's quite significant. I think, I mean, I've, I've, I've probably had oh, three, three or four com conversations with people I was at Santos with within the last two weeks. I mean, it's like an ongoing connection with some brilliant people. So I, just, I remember it being fun, Pete. I remember it being hard, but, yes. but good fun. Always a bit of humor there from the staff as well. Just always, always a bit of wry humor going on. But it's such a beautiful place, isn't it? Such, it's such an inspiring environment. Yes. I don't know, what do you remember? Because we were 
Yeah, yeah. So, yeah like running and being wet a lot so <laughs> uh, our, our color sergeant we had color sergeant wood and, and i want to talk about the relationship that we have in our minds about our platoon commanders and color sergeants from back in the day but color sergeant wood would always have this uh we'd march onto barossa which for those who aren't familiar is the sort of local training area at the back of the royal military academy Sandhurst. and within five minutes he would make sure that we were soaking wet <laughs> head to toe for what yeah. would now be another two hours of, of field craft and, and battlefield craft. And, and it was like, gentlemen, because it was an all-male platoon, as you know, gentlemen, are you now wet? So you know, no need to worry about getting wet anymore. Focus on the skills that are going to save your life and, more importantly, the life of the person next to you. So that's my overriding memory. In fact, I took that legacy forward. So when I was an instructor at Sandhurst, I made sure my platoon got wet. <laughs> and when I was in recruit training, I, I did likewise. But yeah, so cold, wet, but yeah, absolutely. Whether or not it's 28 years of rose-tinted glasses looking back on it. But I genuinely think that was one of the, the happiest times of my life mm-hmm. because of just the immersive, the crowd, the immersion. And, and we yeah. did well. We were Sovereign's company, weren't we? I mean, we... Yeah. Yes. There are only two companies, though. To be fair, there are only two companies in our intake. <laughs> well, okay. Well, let's talk about leadership from that perspective. What do you remember about how Waterloo Company... So we were blending company. Mm-hmm. What do you remember about the, the conditions in Waterloo Company and the comparison between how they were treated and we? I mean, I'm sure some of that sticks in your mind. It's, it's classic them and us, though. I mean, I, I, I'm not quite sure what the truth... Was I mean they were only the other side of a Chapel uh, Square, weren't Chapel they? Yeah, Square, weren't they? they yeah. were two, their accommodation was two hundred meters away, but it looked less fun. I had to say, yeah. it looked less fun. They seemed to be having a hard time. I remember the rumours that there was some sort of experiment being conducted as, as <laughs> to whether the, the cadets that were treated slightly nicer. Yeah. did better than the ones that were given a hard time. I, I presume that was nonsense because that sounds too too organized to be true. But. It does, isn't it? Yeah, well, for you and I, knowing what, what Sandos is like from the instructor point of view, and I, I wouldn't wish to sort of shatter the, the, the polished facade, but yeah, it's not that clever or <laughs> coordinated, <laughs> I don't think. No. No. Um, I, I mentioned uh, my, my color sergeant there. Do, do you have equally sort of in inverted commas fond memories of yours? Yeah, I do. Different. I mean, I think actually ours was probably, uh, he was quite kind to us, really, in a hard way, in a hard northeastern way. Ah, yeah. He was the light infantry guy, wasn't it? Was the, yeah, yeah. Pete Hill, his name was. Yeah, yeah. Um, he was. He was good fun. Everything he said, there was like a glint in his eye. Not everything, actually, but most of the time there was a glint in his eye. And uh, yeah, he was, he was a nice guy. He was a really, he was a nice guy. And we learned a lot from him because like, they all are, all the colour sergeants there. Mm. He was just so professional. I mean, they were just – the selection process for colour sergeant instructors is so hard. Isn't yeah, it? You, that, you see it harder. I saw it from the other side later when I was staff there. But the result is that they are absolutely fant- fantastic soldiers, but also really good with people, great mm. communication skills, and they can read people very well. I, I would be my really high-quality – people yeah. people who are also really good soldiers yeah and i think it's probably that combination that really sort of endures in people's minds i mean if you if you asked a, a sample of of the sandist alumni 
Who do you remember most fondly, your colour sergeant or your platoon commander? I'm going to guess it's the colour sergeant, and whether that's because the colour sergeant is with you for the entire year. But when we went through, our platoon commanders were there for the entire year. But so much of your life is wrapped up in their life. I mean, they live it. They've got their their bunkers in the the lines. You see so much of them. And so the affinity and the connection with them but yeah. they were yeah super quality weren't they it's yeah they are, they're, they're, i mean it's, it's for them it's a, it's quite a monastic lifestyle i think being a platoon color sergeant yeah yeah they have to give up a lot don't they it, it's yeah. they sort of throw themselves in yeah and very fun so, so one of the things that really endures for me in terms of what sanders taught me and i'd, I'd be interesting to to us to have a conversation about perhaps what on reflection didn't work so well but one thing that has really stuck with me is this idea and i think it was encapsulated in i think one of the previous commandants released a book called stand up straight i don't know mm-hmm. if you've come across that one mm-hmm. but he talks about the standard you walk past is the standard you accept and and that for me, I think, really put into words what what Sanders was all about. It's it's doing the right thing when nobody is looking for no other regard for anything other than it is the right thing to do. And it kind of comes back to that virtue piece that we're talking about about leadership. And to this day, you know, I was out walking my dog this morning, and you know, there were some perhaps irresponsible dog owners that had left a parcel on on this field. And I thought, well, my dog didn't do that, but I can't walk past that without picking it up and making sure that another dog walker doesn't walk into it. So that has really started. I cannot walk past a piece of litter without picking it up. I cannot, I have to bite my tongue sometimes when I want something happening on a train and somebody's leaving litter behind and things like this. That's really deep stuff. I mean, that really has shaped me as the man. What would you say? Is there anything that sort of really shaped you or sort of stuck with you from those formative days? I agree with what you say. I I think that deep programming about behaving with integrity not gossiping, being, you know, the stand up straight, the title of that book, which is very good, actually. I've seen it and it's a really, it's a lovely distillation of the, the principles of, of Sandhurst. Yeah. So I would say that the character forming at the root of it, the absolute, this is, this is, this is what's decent and you, you, you act in pursuit of that. I, I like to think I came out with that. I think most of us come out with it. It's something that's insisted on. I would think what, what I think I, I was I had less of and would have liked more of is then the finesse with how I was to lead. So I knew what I believed in, what was right, what was wrong, what, mm. what, what we what we stood for. Yeah. But perhaps understanding people better, having a better mm. understanding of how to connect with people, what leadership really was. We did a lot of practical leadership, didn't we? I mean, yeah. there was yeah, an yeah. Awful, running tasks, leading mini operations and being assessed. Yeah. But the assessment was generally on the, the technical aspects of whether you were right to go left flanking or right flanking or whether your yeah. orders were well written. Yeah. And actually the connection between people, which is so important when you're going to work with them for years, mm. building the relationships, I think that's important. I, I don't feel I came out with as much of that or with, with very much of that actually. I think it relied on what we had already. Well, that's interesting because off air we were talking about how, you know, you and I, well, certainly speaking from my own position, I've studied more about leadership since leaving the military than I ever did during it. Because I think, to your point, we were so much in sort of doing and execution 
mode and 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 you use the term there sort of deep programming and it was it was it was programming at the sort of cellular level how to react when you know the shit is hitting the fan basically because you want that automatic response but there's a fine balance between always doing and taking time to think and i think that's something that we we need to talk about how leaders need to create the space for themselves and others to think not just a condor moment but actually thinking about what is we're here to do but 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 equally, I I think the I so I lost my train of thought there. Sorry, I was going. I was going uh, <laughs> well, what you've just said actually is probably one of the key lessons of Sandhurst for me, and one which I often reflect on. And it is that taking time to think, and it's the yes. thing where we were taught in advanced to contact operations, where you're walking towards the enemy, which was always two Gurkhas hidden in a bush yeah. on the training area. But, <laughs> yes. but then when they fire, the, the commander needing to get to a position where they're not caught up in the action, but mm. can see and understand and interpret. So that bit where you grip yourself, you calm yourself, you grip yourself, you create time and space to think. I think that that's probably the most important lesson. It probably sits at the heart of well, it's the one that I I most took away, or that I've I've made the most sense of afterwards, is the yeah. ability to just stop, make sense, and then act. And when when you act before you've processed and created space, it tends to go wrong. So so yes. for me, that advanced to contact lesson. Yeah, very very powerful. And as you were saying that, it's not only the time to think. I think before my my brain sort of hijacked me, I was going to talk also about how I don't think Sanders really taught me much about understanding the sort of the differences in people's abilities and and personalities and i know that's that's something 28 years later is so important as understanding where are people's strengths and differences and how do you harness those as a leader i, I think at, at sanders it was it was almost like assuming because i think you're leading soldiers and soldiers have all been through a similar process of breaking down the individual, building up the team. And we've got such a framework of standard operating procedures that actually you can assume that everyone will act in a certain way. But of course, in civilian and corporate life, it's, it's you don't have those frameworks. And I actually think leadership is far more difficult for a corporate commercial leader than in many ways it was for a military leader because you're held up by frameworks and SOPs in the in the corporate civilian world. There's none of that. No. So I, I actually take my hat off to people who can lead well without any of that benefit of, of, of having a sort of military framework behind them. So let's, let's talk about helping leaders think and let's talk about connecting with people because, you know, at the start of this, this episode, you talk about, you know, leadership is about energizing. It's about creating that connection, but it's also about thinking. So how, how do you personally sort of go about helping people do that and, and become better at that? A lot, a lot of what I do is coaching, but, but mm. my coaching is, it's not pure coaching. <laughs> you know, so, so a, a referee would be blowing the whistle quite often on my coaching because I, I link it in with theory. So I'll coach people. Yeah. But I, when I'm working online, there's also like a PowerPoint of key models, which is ready to share. Okay. Um, and I take the view that I've done a lot of thinking about leadership and I've got, to my mind, a, a clear understanding of what it is. I see it as being quite simple and that people are often shackled by the fact that in their mind it's complicated Mm. but but actually it's really quite simple so when i'm working with people i will mix in a certain amount of theory because they're not going to guess the right answers They, they, they actually some of the stuff i need to make easy for them i need to say look purpose is really important 
Mm. You, you could waste an awful lot of coaching time getting them to, to guess that, but it would be a nonsense. It's much easier to say, look, here's a definition of leadership. How, how does that apply to you? Or here, here are different ways in which people communicate. And you can see as I'm waving my hands, I'm imagining particular models yes. where we'd be on that. So, so, so I link the two things to, together when I'm working directly with people. And then the other thing that, that, uh, that I've done this year is produce videos about leadership. Yes. So people can now get me even if, I'm, even if I'm not there. We can have you 24-7 all to ourselves, Neil. How wonderful is that? It's... Yeah, yeah. And I, hope you, I hope you do. <laughs> so you mentioned i love the fact that you know the referee would blow the the whistle on you on your coaching it's i've often found it's in those conversations what's useful for the individual there and then is that if you took on one end of the spectrum pure coaching nothing but open questions long pauses and getting them to think through to the other end of the spectrum the didactic just do this there is a sweet spot yeah. somewhere and it shifts because sometimes people just need to oh, please just I'm really wrestling with this. I'm getting really frustrated now with all these questions to tell me, because if you tell me, then we can build on that and then you can go back into coaching mode. So I, I would probably have that set yeah. referee blowing it on me as well. I, I, but we I, have, is, that, is that not what we, people like you and I who have led hundreds yes. of people in you know, sometimes quite challenging circumstances, Agree. It, it would be a nonsense for us to, to not offer yes. some of what we've learned over those I don't know, 18 years of, of leading soldiers. Yes, yeah. And, of course, working in, in, in organisations, yeah. you know, on the sort of director level, C-suite level and everything else. You're absolutely right. It would be folly to, to hide it. I mean, let's not make it too easy for people, but equally, if, if uh, a bit of advice, and this is where I, I – Michael Bungay-Stanya and his coaching habit talks about mm -hmm. your advice monster, you know, and your advice is not as good as you think it is. But sometimes you have to let the advice monster out a little bit to facilitate thinking beyond – the immediacy of their stuck position. So, yeah, referee, keep blowing. You know, it's fine. It's fine. Tell me about some of the, the models that have really sort of struck a chord with you. I mean, I'd, I'd be interested to know if you've got your own model as a result of this book, but what models or, or, or thought leaders have influenced your sort of thinking around leadership and coaching and things? The two that I, I think I use with everyone. I think they just said, because they're so, for me, so essential. The first is Tuckman the forming, storming, reforming, performing model, yeah. which is how I'll say a little bit about it because you're obviously you're nodding, but yeah, it, okay, it, for the benefit it, of the listener, yeah. <laughs> but it, it's the stages through which a team goes to become effective. And of course, most teams don't go through any of those stages. They get stuck in form, mm -hmm. which is, is a bureaucratic, hierarchical organization with internal competition, low, low levels of communication, not much honesty, and people just doing enough. And, and the thing is when, I don't know what your working experiences are, but most organizations have a big chunk of that going on. People doing enough, but they're not passionate. And of course, what you want is a, a performing organization where what you're doing is so exciting, is so, so compelling that it kind of brushes away most most of the other stuff, most of the friction that gets in the way. So you, so you end up with this creative, fun, free, free thinking, freedom within boundaries, this, this, this lovely organization, which we all want to work in. Whenever you ask people, what, do you, what would you like to be? They describe that. Yes. But the reality is they're stuck over on the other side. So, so Tuckman for me is really, really important. People should, should understand it and they should refer back to it often. Mm. to see where they are. And then levels of communication. 
it's a, a John, John Powell model, but from ritual and cliche at the bottom going up to peak communications. For me, those are, and I'll resist the temptation to give like a random talk about it, but no, no, of course. just those two things, how the team works and how you communicate within the team, so important. They, they, they can trans, just, just knowing those two things could be really transformational if people work on them. Ah, so that's the distinction, isn't it? Because there's one yeah. thing to know it. And I think of those two models you've expressed there, people will perhaps be more familiar with the Tuckman one only because of the sort of the alliterative uh, forming, you know, norming, storming, performing type thing. I think I've said yeah. that in the wrong order, forming, storming, norming, performing. Uh, and yeah. so that, that kind of sticks in people's minds. But I think the distinction is, is, is knowing and understanding it and reflecting back on it rather than just this intellectual yeah i've read a book on that i've heard of that and i've done and i think that's that for me is often the challenge with when i'm talking to corporate clients in particular they might say yes we, we'd like to have a do a senior strategic leadership program and i say that that's great but you do realize that leadership is really just about doing the basics really well and understanding and constantly revisiting it there's nothing there's no distinction about how you get it right at a strategic level as a tactical level yeah. but people have this sense of if if we're talking at a certain level it mu- there must be something else that you only yeah. find out about when you get yeah. senior yeah. We're and, and, so it's strategic so, so, yeah, but the, yeah, so there must be something at, at a mastery level. No, no, mastery of leadership. And, and let's face it, none of us ever get there is about just understanding those basics and revisiting them all the time and just going deeper and deeper with them. And the Tuckman, the, Sorry, the Tuckman, model, well, no, the Tuckman model is such a, a simple one on the face of it to understand, but there's so much depth to it. Don't you master it when you realize it's simple? Isn't that the point where you realize it actually just comes down to doing a few basic things really beautifully ah yes beautifully and elegantly yeah Uh, yeah, i think you're absolutely right it's i mean one of the models i like to talk about at the start of any program or coaching is to is to realize and and remind people how we learn you know and and i take that competency ladder you know we start off unconsciously incompetent and go through conscious competence and up to and i say it's a ladder as a metaphor but don't kid yourself that once you get to the top, that's it. Once you get to the top, you just see a whole series of other ladders. And it's like that with, with all these models. Okay, you've got it on that level. Now let's go deeper. Oh, my God. <laughs> there's so much more. Yeah. And I think, I think there's, a, there's something around self-awareness of leadership that I think if you can start there and, and understand that and, and have a love of learning and a thirst for learning, then I think you're well on your way. Yes. I mean, all the I imagine your bookshelves look quite similar to my bookshelf. You know, we've probably got a lot of the same stuff. But I love I love reading about for me, psychology is a huge part of leadership. Just understanding people. Do you watch TED Talks? Are you, are you, yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, I just I love learning more. But the the more I learn, like I say, the more it comes down to yes, it's people. Oh, it's purpose. And it's really all of these messages all, all lead back to, I guess, to the, the very, very basic stuff. But you, perhaps you, you, you become certain of it, certain of the, the thread, the, 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 the core of it, when you know everything that's around it. Or, you, or the more you learn, the more you think, yeah, yeah, still, it's still people. Yeah, it's mm. still us. Yes, 
Yeah, ab- absolutely. It's a friend of mine describes it as it's really quite simple. Treat people well and and do the basics well as well. And and I think really if your heart and soul is in that, yeah, you're on your own. So we're kind of coming to the end of our time soon, Neil. I just want to sort of segue on to this video series that you've produced and the book that you're writing, which in and of itself is a nice personal thing to do because it's the articulation and the manifestation yeah. of your thoughts. But what's what's your hope? For, for producing this what what would be the ideal that somebody's got their hands on your videos and then what would you hope for them that they would become excited by well, that they would lead better do you know one line that they would lead better and because they lead better they will make their part of the world a better place they, they, they will achieve more good stuff they will look after the people that work with them and for them better They'll, that, that will create happiness higher morale this is all of the good knock-on effects that come out of leadership i want people to to read the book and then go and do it then go and connect with people then go and you know some of the stuff i suggest in the book is about connecting with people but in the pre-covid world I suggest you just go round and you, you chat to people. And if they offer you a cup of tea or coffee, you always accept it. Always. You know, just you've always got time for a brew. Just to make those connections. In the current working world, it's about doing this. It's about chatting to people simply for the sake of being connected, being forming those great relationships. Once you've got those great relationships, you can go on and do super stuff. But if you haven't formed the relationship, it's a really fragile basis to work from. So, so I've made these things. I've made the videos, which are already in use with, gosh, the NHS, Sheffield University, a few schools, part of the Scottish government, actually the Independent Living Fund. They're, they're, they're making a difference, I know, but they're this simple message. I'm trying to get this simple message out there as much as I can. I want it to go as f- to, to deeply permeate society. I feel there's a, a lack of good leadership we, we we could be better led at a national level at an international level and I, I want to try and change that i want to do do my bit anyway albeit a small bit but i want to do my bit for trying to change that that's what drives me fantastic I, and I, I think if it's just one person made a change then your work is done and if that person then goes on to perpetuate then that's all we can hope for isn't it how do we get hold of the the videos and uh, i presume the book will be available on all good bookstores uh, and amazon in particular the, the book will be on amazon and uh the videos you, you'd have to go to my website yeah. which is neiljerd.com there's a section it's called memberships at neiljerd.com and it's a subscription model, but you can see two demo versions. So people a bit of a taster. Yeah. yeah. Fantastic. Neil, this episode has been 28 years in the making almost. Um, <laughs> it's, it's awesome to chat with you. We'll, uh, we'll certainly have you on as a guest at, at a future episode. We'll talk about the book and what's come beyond. And I look forward to sort of perhaps meeting next time in person over a coffee post COVID. But until then, Neil, thank you so much. It's been, uh, it's been a riot chatting to you. Thank you so much. Thanks, Pete. It's been lovely. Really nice to see you. Thank you. One of the things I really like about being the host of my own podcast is that I get to choose which guests I I speak to and it's a a lovely way of reconnecting with old acquaintances and friends and and as I said on the episode there Neil and I go back some 28 years when we both turned up at the gates of the Royal Military Academy Sandhurst as 
young, fresh-faced, naive potential officers, and we've had a lifetime in leadership ever since. Our careers have taken us in different paths, but we find ourselves now back at the coaching leadership for a profession and being passionate about it. So I hope you enjoyed our discussions there. They weren't too self-indulgent for you, and you've got some ideas and thinking and reflections around leadership and what it is to lead and what leaders there to do i certainly wish neil all the very best with his forthcoming book i urge you to go check it out and also consider engaging with his videos there because he's put a lifetime of experience and knowledge and passion into those things and it can only help you and your organization I do hope that this has helped you as well and thank you very much for supporting the Give Yourself the Chat podcast. It's certainly a pleasure to have you with me. If you'd like to get in touch, then please on head on over to peterlewiscoaching.com. Drop me a line, suggest any topics or people that you'd like me to have as guests on this show. But for the time being, keep yourself safe and I'll see you on the next one.